There's an old saying, one should not talk about politics, money, and religion in polite company. And we get a gospel lesson today that flies straight in the face of that advice. For Jesus, politics, money, and religion are always fair game. And there might not be any more famous story that mixes all three than the one that we just heard in our gospel lesson that we call the rich man. Now the story about the rich man you may also know is the story about the rich young man or the rich young ruler because each gospel tells the story slightly differently. But in today's gospel from Mark, we hear the story of this rich man. And so let's go ahead and jump right on in with politics, money, and religion. Let's start with the first. The first topic, let's go ahead and get out of the way, politics. Kind of, did you feel the shudder that went through the room? Everyone kind of goes, oh, whenever we talk anything about this, because the comment I hear most often from everyone in this church at some point is, I don't like politics in church. Ah, especially politics from the pulpit. But I think part of why we don't like this is because we often conflate politics with partisanship. Being political does not necessarily mean that you have to be partisan. In fact, the best of politics is not partisan. Politics literally means being concerned about the city, people who are concerned with stuff outside of themselves. Politics at its barest form means that you actually don't put your nose down and ignore things going around you. Instead, you want to be active, you want to be connected, you want to actually care about the world that's going on outside your front door. And I think that we can safely say that we are all political in that way that we all care beyond ourselves about what goes on in our world. Now, politics in church is just fine. Partisan in church is not. See, Jesus is always, always political. But using Jesus for partisan gains is misusing Jesus for really bad reasons. Being political means we care. And so today I want to make sure that as we talk about the story of the rich young ruler, the rich young man, just the rich man, that we know that we are saying something political. That why we show up here and sit in these pews and give thanks to God is because we actually care about the world beyond ourselves. And that kind of political is always good. So we're going to sort of put politics down and jump right on into money and religion. <laughs> so, let's take a quick look at the, today's gospel story to give context around money and religion. So a nice man ran up to Jesus. He was actually kind of a really nice man. And he said to Jesus that simple question that I think everyone kind of wonders, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, quite simply, well, you know the commandments. You need to follow the commandments. And the man very proudly says, I've been doing all of that since I was a child. He's a good guy. This is a good guy that comes up to Jesus. Probably the kind of person that Jesus wants to be a follower. And so Jesus says, good, you followed all these commandments your whole life. Sell everything you have and give all the money to the poor and then follow me. Did you notice in the gospel lesson that the writer actually says Jesus looked on the man and loved him? 
and said, sell everything you have and give the money to the poor and follow me. Well, the man, as we know, turned and walked away sad because as the story goes, he had many possessions. Jesus looked on him and loved him and said something really hard to hear. And when the man heard what Jesus had to say and turned and walked away sad, what did Jesus do? Let him go. Jesus does not sacrifice the ideal of what it means to follow him just because a really good guy doesn't quite like it or feels sad. No, Jesus lets this really great person walk away. Now, the ideal of what Jesus lays out for him is perhaps for almost every person unattainable. And yet we cannot change what Jesus said. We cannot somehow explain this away. Jesus sets up as an ideal, giving everything away to help the poor. Now, the people who heard this did not like what they heard and immediately started challenging Jesus. Wait a minute. They just saw a great person walk away rather than become a disciple of Jesus because Jesus held that bar just a little too high, maybe too high. And so Jesus says, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Boom. Jesus doubles down on what he just said to that rich man. Wealth gets in the way. How often do we have good experiences, really good experiences, and we think we are so blessed? It's a common idea. I see it posted all over the place on social media. People always talk about blessed, even they wear those awful shirts that say blessed. And if you have one, I'm sorry. I, I'm sure it looks great on you. The idea of being blessed is often, and perhaps every time, actually based on our affluence. How often do we do something that's really great, that's not cheap, and when we have an excellent experience, consider ourselves blessed? It's rare to find someone who can't feed their family at night because they don't have any money left and considers themselves blessed. We too often mess up the idea of blessing with the idea of gratitude. We who have a lot should not consider ourselves blessed by what we have, but grateful for what we have. Grateful that we have as much as we do. Grateful that God would share of the bounty with us with such significance. Gratitude is really the best response to any kind of wealth. And that is where I think Jesus is going with today's lesson. This idea that wealth can kind of get us backwards if we are not careful. If we are not grateful for what we have, grateful for the kind of gifts that God has shared, making us not owners of those gifts, but caretakers of those gifts. If we are not grateful for what we have been given, wealth becomes a really big problem in following Jesus the way that we all hope to do. Now, when money gets 
mixed up with religion, it can get out of whack really fast. Any of us can likely give a story of some church that we've heard, or some pastor especially, who has just gotten way too out of line, off the rails, because money and religion mixed up in a bad way. And so as we begin our stewardship campaign today, as we begin a month of talking about the way that we give and what we do with our gifts, I want to make sure that you understand that what we are doing this year is a little different than what has happened in past years. We are trying to be transparent about the way that we spend money. We want you all to be in this with us, those who give and those who don't. We want how we use our money to actually be as good as it can possibly be. And we're starting that process by, in your bulletins, actually giving you a list of what we have done specifically around certain ministry aspects of this church, today being around formation. Because you see, with money and religion, there are really two steps. Step one is we share our money. Step two is we use that money well. We are called to follow Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus. And in that discipleship, we have to actually be formed to do it right. When Jesus is face to face with this rich man today, he tells that rich man that in order to follow him, he's got to make sure that following Jesus is the priority of his life. Doing and responding to God's love is the number one priority of his life, not his stuff, not his power, not his affluence. And the man just can't quite get there yet. We are called into the same kind of life. We are called here as people almost universally with significant affluence to make sure that the priority of our life is following Jesus, responding to God's love, responding to God's generosity with love and generosity of our own. And in doing so, we are actually shaped as disciples. In responding to God's generosity, we actually change our life priority. People often ask me, what is the easiest way, the best way, the most effective way to actually do this Christian life? And the easiest answer I have is give away the stuff that matters most to you. Because the stuff that matters most to you will always be more important than this Christian life unless you check it. What we do together here, when we share all that we have in order to spend what we have well, we are actually reprioritizing our own hearts and minds. Jesus says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. He does it in that order because he knows us and he knows what matters most to us. If you think about the people who lead this church, Almost every person, adult, who leads this church, I bet, was brought to church as a child. 
we cannot underestimate how we are formed as being critical to how we live as disciples of Jesus. Today, I want to make sure you read about the way that we do formation here, because you are invited to participate more deeply than last year in 2019. You are being issued an invitation to actually continue to change your life in becoming a disciple of Jesus in the most significant way that you can in 2019. The time has come for us to make plans about what we will do as a church next year. And we are critical to those plans. So if you've given to St. Michael generously in the past year, thank you. If you've given something, but it's not quite anywhere close to what you could, then I want you to feel the challenge to stretch yourself, to actually reprioritize what makes most important your use in this world. And if you've never given to St. Michael, this can be your year. This can be the year that you actually respond to the invitation of Christ to change the way you live, to reprioritize what is most important to you, to not feel guilty or shame about anything you haven't done, but instead realize the opportunity you have next year to actually get on this way of Jesus with your friends here at St. Michael. How we spend our money matters. And when you share what you have, when we all share what we have in gratitude for what God has given us to take care of in this life, then we can actually begin to change the world for the good. Our giving goes well beyond our money. We give because in our giving, there is hope. Hope for a world full of love, hope for a world transformed by the gospel, hope for each one of us to attain the eternal life we all desire so deeply. Give out of gratitude, and in doing so, we will change our world for good. Amen.